Hello and welcome to the Pub Meeple Podcast, episode 13. I'm Gary. Hey, Chuck here. Proper Brian. I'm just Brian. All right, well, this, this episode's main topic is uh, elitism in the gaming hobby. And we talk about how uh, just Brian has a problem and we're trying to help him. And I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't think he's the only one with the problem. Well, well, I think Chuck hates Monopoly <laughs> so badly, and he gets into that, and we, we, we delve deep about. into his his hatred. And uh, okay, 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 we don't want to give too much away. What we talk uh, about next? All right, and then then we went ahead and, and started kind of a new segment. Uh, I think what you call it, uh, uh, Nerd Lexicon, something like that. The gaming Lexicon. The gaming Lexicon. Oh, yeah. Push up my glasses. And, and we talk about the term fiddliness and uh, discuss all the ways in which you're wrong. Right? I mean, I think that's a pretty good recap of it. Yeah. Yeah. And we also say the word fiddliness a lot. We say yeah. Tons uh, of times. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I'd, I'd like to Starting get Starting now. Yeah. Fiddly, fiddly. <laughs> right. count, count how many times we say it and uh, post it in the comments somewhere. <laughs> Maybe we'll say thank you. <laughs> you're such an elitist. <laughs> All right. So grab a brew, sit back, and listen to the Pub Meeple Podcast. All right, guys, this is, this is our tradition at this point. Um, let's go ahead and talk about our brews. Uh, just Brian, since you actually supplied the beer for several of us today, why don't you go ahead and get started? Well, I, I picked up uh, Founders Solid Gold Premium Lager because I saw it and I said, hey, there's a Founders beer I haven't had. Let's see what this is all about. And, um, and it's it. good. It's pretty good. So, okay. Because I'm going to try one in a little bit and I yeah, got to know. So what, what happened was I, I opened it up feeling like I was going to have a breakfast stout or a scotch ale, and it wasn't. It was it was a beer. It was a good beer, but it was kind of goes back to uh, Proper Brian's uh, Seven Laws of Expectations, and it wasn't what I expected. So my first taste of it was, ugh. And then Gary said, it's not bad, and I, I we've been drinking it for about... 30 minutes now while we've been talking and it's not bad it's it is really good it's but actually it's, quite tasty but it's but not like a heavy beer well, it's a four percent and it's it's a light beer and it's a good light beer speaking of the founder scotch ale shuck yeah what are you drinking well on the way here i was like oh you know i probably need to go look in the fridge see if i have a beer and it was my last beer and my favorite beer that is the founder scotch ale and it's fantastic well, and i love it and and I, I just was, I thought what was amazing is you said that was the last beer in your fridge. What a heck of a beer to have as <laughs> a last beer. A, yeah. It's like you saved the best for last. It's a great problem you know? to have. Yeah, yeah it's not You a didn't bad remember problem. it was in your fridge? I knew I had a beer in there. I just couldn't remember which one. Oh, gosh. That's like finding $20 in your pocket <laughs> and being like, what? how did I live without knowing I had this? A ray of light. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's so tasty. Well, proper Brian, what did you what did you brew at our table today? I brewed a, a cup of tea, but this time it's, it's a... I think I've had uh, the Twinings tea before, but this time it's called Irish Breakfast. It's, it's one a good that I, one. It's one that I found a couple of months. I started drinking a lot more teas at work to avoid drinking as much coffee, which, oh well. Uh, but anyway, so this is one of the ones that I found. <laughs> Tell me how that's going for you. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, tea is good too. And so, but this is one that I found that I really like. It's it's kind of a, there's another one called they have called English Breakfast. And Irish Breakfast is kind of a... Mm, Maltier. I don't know how to describe it, but I've, it's I've gotten the uh, the sampler pack with all those in there. Did you buy just the box? Mm, of I that? just bought the box. Of okay, that. I bought the sampler pack because it had the the Earl Grey, the Lady Grey, um, Irish breakfast, and English breakfast. 
And I feel like maybe I like the Irish breakfast a little bit more than the English breakfast. I think it's my favorite. The the Irish breakfast is my favorite. So I'm with Shook. I like the Earl Grey, but we had that conversation last episode where he he told he threw out a pro tip about the bergamot uh, oils. So I'm keeping that in mind. That was pretty cool. Make all my tea Earl Grey tea now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. uh, so yeah, I, I'm just I'm I'm bumming a, a founder solid gold. I was I was in a little bit of a rush to get over here. Just Brian was like, "Hey, try this beer. It's got a founders logo on it." Like I'm not gonna say that's no right, to that. That's I'm right. Like yeah, yeah. That's as a group we we tend to really like. There's a few brands we've latched onto, and founders. You, if you've listened to a few episodes, you've probably heard us throw that name around. So I, I agree. It's, it's tasty. I mean, it wasn't. Um, it's no Scotch Ale. Or what the, you, how would you describe this one? Because it has a different kind of finish to it that I wasn't expecting. It's, it's. I mean, I like it, but it's. I feel like it's the beer Bud Light wants to be. Like when it grows <laughs> up, it's got a bit of it's got a bit of a hoppy taste on the back oh, yeah. end of it, but only on the back end. Yeah, it's got a little bit. Of, it's, it's so it's good, got a hops finish, but it's not it's like a, a strong like IPA kind of hops. Actually, this is the kind of beer. Um, this is kind of beer. It's like a good beer for sitting outside. Like I, I would drink this in the summer. I wish definitely. I wish this was co- hotter weather because this is a hot oh, weather yeah. beer for this sure. This is like I just got done. and we just got a cold front today, yeah. so I'm like, thanks a lot. Well, we needed a, we needed a three philosophy. It's like I just got done. Uh, yeah, but it's like I just got done mowing the lawn. Grab a beer, kind of thing. Like yeah. I don't want anything too heavy. But it's, it's still really tasty. So I guess the, what, what brings us here today, the main topic, we want to talk about something that we'd kind of again, like a lot of these topics, we, we kind of bounce it around. Maybe it's something we've kind of briefly touched on in our personal conversations with one another, or just a couple of us have been talking about it. But um, we we want to talk about elitism in the gaming hobby. And proper Brian, you you had a really I think you you struck on the best definition of of this. Can can you go ahead and tell us your definition? We'll debate that and tell you how wrong you are. Yeah, here in a yeah. minute. No, I like to define things. I sit and I write. I like to write <laughs> definitions of things and then refine them and dictionary. Uh, that's why you're in this hobby. Yeah, yeah, right. So what I what I ended up with was uh, elitism. Elitism is acting as if personal preference, experience, or knowledge makes you superior to someone who does not have it, and it often results in treating those people as inferior or avoiding them. And. <laughs> and I mean, you, you might I'm avoid kidding. them, you might no, not. Kidding. And well, I Maybe guess not. for an example of gaming elitism, um, just uh, if you check out some of the like BGG forums or or especially like Facebook, like Facebook, yeah, the <laughs> board gaming pages, either the actual official BGG Facebook group, or there's one called the board game group, if dozens of other ones, and you occasionally see this, and so it's something that we've kind of like pointed out in the past to each other while we're talking, like. And I just, I really, really wish people could avoid that. You know, there's a better way to express yourself. And so, we're, so we're referring to elitism as a negative thing. Yeah, it's yes. not a but, positive thing for But before our, we, yeah, we jump into this, we need to state that there's a, there is a difference between elitism and knowing what you like. You know, so just knowing, hey, I like these certain kind of games. These are the kind of games I really want to play. I, I, love, I love tile placement. I love set collection. I love such and such designer. You know... There's nothing wrong with 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 having strong preferences. It's it's when you take that a step further, or even stronger versions. Yeah, right. yeah I stronger don't ver- like exactly. This. That's okay yeah. too. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah like, we talked about how like you can like or not like things, and it doesn't make you elitist. What I think the the key part of that definition is is that it it makes you feel or act like you're superior to someone else. Like it makes like I'm better than you because I don't like 
monopoly. Yeah. So it's it's not that you have that that preference. It's not that you have the knowledge. It's not that uh, you have experience. It's that you uh, use that as a way to build yourself up and feel like you are superior to someone else. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with not liking monopoly. It's just when you bash people over the head who who still really enjoy Monopoly. I mean, there's, there's, it's a game. People enjoy it. You know? I, I think this is a good time. I'm sorry if I'm jumping the gun, no. Gary, on, on, cause I know, I know you have a, some organized thought to this, but I think it's also a good time if we're going to talk about that to discuss that there's also nothing wrong with having a refined palate. Oh no. To the games or your tastes will change and grow and, and you will start maybe even liking a niche or a heavier side to gaming so, so in a way, you do become an elite, right? And that, and so it's not a bash against being an elite. It's, it's that's I don't, I don't want to say. Basically, what I'm trying to do is draw the line between the attitude of elitism and being someone who's actually experienced and knowledgeable, and and that that's okay. That's a good thing, right? Right, right. We want to yeah. be. We want to have knowledge and experience. But we want to have that for the purpose of bringing people into the community of playing games, right? Not, yeah. not. Not to wear it as a badge of pride, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, I know, like, um, I like bringing up Monopoly. I know, like, Chuck, you and I, have, we've, we've, we've all talked about it. We'll joke about, okay, it's not our favorite game or whatever. But you've actually, like, had a list of things like, hey, I, I really don't like this, this, these few things around it. So, like, when you talk about it, yeah, you don't like that game, but you have, like, a, a reason for it, and, and, and you can actually um, talk about it, whereas it's not just this generic kind of, like, well, I just don't like it because everyone else doesn't like it or, or whatever. I know you've, you've talked about that before. Like, you know, as one, I know like you, you, you seem to really like speak really well when you, when you don't like a game, you always have a reason for it. You know, well, I think there should be, if you, if you don't like something, there should be a reason. I mean, you're, you shouldn't just follow a crowd to follow them. Yeah. And, and the know, Nickelback effect. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Nickelback effect. What is that? It's a, uh, it's, it's something that I, I think, James Hudson from Druid City Games mentioned, and then I've heard other people say it since then too. And it's uh, the dislike of something just because mainstream likes it. Yeah. We would see a lot of hype come up around a game and then a lot of counter hype. So would that be kind of like uh, Catan is now? Like I think so. I think Catan would fall yeah. into that. Are you a Catan fan? Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking about. It's, it's one of those games that's it's become such a popular thing that a lot of people are like, well, I'm beyond that now but if you if you go back and play Catan, you might find that you still enjoy it i think you, it's you'd still be surprised really even though as much people that hate it we now, joked about it even on this podcast a little bit because it's a thing to joke about and in a topic like this though and we start putting like the mirror back on ourselves we start looking at how have we maybe even offended this in in some ways yeah if, if we've done that or led someone to believe that that we wouldn't play Catan, like that's that's a disservice. That's not true. Yeah. We actually would, and I do think, for the record, it's a great game. Oh yeah, mechanically, I think I think I think the thing that was said was we've just played a lot of it and we're ready to play something different. Well, sure, you know? and you can you can play a game to you know to a kind of a point that it it's not as much fun for you anymore. You know, you, right. if you especially uh, in in a hobby that kind of is you know people like to be uh, people like to experience the new things, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Um, it's like wanting to find the new games and see kind of how uh, games are like being, you know, kind of evolving over time, like as uh, as mechanisms combine and things like that. Uh, it, it, it's fine to want to find those games, but that doesn't necessarily mean that an older game like Catan is 
is now a piece of trash, like some people like to say. I guess for me, the reason why I'm a little bit more sensitive on this is because I have felt in a situation where I totally misunderstood the situation. So it's cool. It wasn't, it wasn't a real thing. But at the moment, I felt like something was going on between me and another player and the conversation that – the reaction that they had during a game that they weren't enjoying themselves because they were kind of above this experience. And it kind of came – it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And what it did for me was it made me really apprehensive to approach that person in the future and say, would you like to come play this game? And so it didn't affect my judgment on this person. I still wanted to play games with them, but I did feel like like I, I didn't I felt a little insecure with myself and and how I interact with this individual and the individuals that are like him that usually game with him. So flipping that mirror back on us, that's my fear with this topic. That's why I when we make fun of Zidit and we, we do it in jest, I also don't want people to think I can't approach just Brian and ask him to play a game that I like, even if it's zitted or something, because I'm afraid how he's going to judge me and my reaction. And I, and I don't want other people to feel that way. I would play zitted with them. You know, it, we just joke about it a lot because it's, it's, it's a fun poking point for us, but I don't want other people to perceive me that way just cause I talk a certain way. You know, something you said, uh, I guess struck a memory of, of mine that I, I, I guess us as reviewers and the you know podcasters and whatever, uh, I have a bad habit of when I play a new game being kind of critical and criticizing and critiquing it and figuring out what I like and what I don't like. And, and I wonder maybe if I should keep some of those thoughts to myself. Sometimes I say them and I didn't think mm-hmm. about how that would affect the person that I'm playing with. Yeah. Like if it's his game, yeah, sure. does that I, make I, me... I, no, I, I think it depends on your your audience it's like like if you're playing with people you know are interested in like game design i think that those kind of comments are the, fine, the problem is i think i think i just do it without thinking about it no matter who mm, i'm yeah. with I, I think that's tough because you have an analytical way of looking at it and plus you're all in in actually i enjoy playing games with you because you'll break down mechanics and mechanisms you and improper and improper brian does that too but yeah, I, I guess I can see where, like, if taken the wrong way. Like, in other words, I know if you say, like, hey, I don't like this mechanic. Number one, I, I'm, I'm cool if my friends don't like my games. But number two, I know not to take that because I have context. But, I mean, I wonder. But, I mean, I, I, I don't think I don't think it probably, I don't know. Depends on the situation, I, I guess. Just, I just, you know, I, I worry now that I'm hurt, I've hurt some people's feelings and maybe they see me as an elite elitism type person even though I don't intend that at all and that was kind of the situation between me and this other person and the the thing about it is is that is that can happen even in other uh, other kinds of attitudes that was a misunderstanding is what that was it wasn't really anybody acting like uh, uncouth to anybody it was just a misunderstanding and that's what you're talking about and and we can come off that way a lot of times. I guess I guess the whole point of that is there is some good self check from time to time. There is uh, appropriate places to act a certain way, and it's fine and it's fun and it's hilarious. And uh, when we go hang out with with our buds here in town that know us, or even go out to San Angelo and hang out with the Mothership guys, that's cool. When we go to conventions or we're hanging out with some people that don't know us, we invited some new players. I, we, probably should rein it in yeah. a bit especially like online and online interactions we've talked about like when you see someone kind of 
like a new someone like who's new to the hobby, and they're like, I just love you know, oh, Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride's a great game, but like I just love. But a lot of people have played it a lot, or they're like, hey, I, I don't, you know. And it's like I think you, I think I want to say it was you. You doesn't have enough about action too long ago. Phases, and, I think is the problem. And just like, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Whoa, whoa, just kidding. Hey, hey, perfect example. And then like, but I know you and I have talked about like online interactions where like people will um, say something like that, and then like twenty people will come down and be like, "You're just so basic because that's your favorite <laughs> game." And it's like, you know, it's like depressing because you you want to be like, "No, welcome to the hobby. We'll talk about the game you like." You know, I mean. And that's a good one to start with too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, that, I I still I still enjoy breaking that game. Is it the one I, I I long to play? No, but you know, I mean, you asked me to play that game, I'm probably gonna play it with you. But there's nothing wrong with bringing people along through those kind of, you know, that kind of breaking them into the to the hobby, you know, and and those are perfect games to do it. The, the there's nothing make, wrong with them. The ones that make me laugh are the, the Facebook posts that are like, I like Ticket to Ride and Catan, and what are some other games? And then they throw these super heavy games yeah. at them. And I'm like, guys, no. Yeah. Now, I don't know that it's elitism, but, I mean, it's like, I mean, think objectively here. I mean, <laughs> what, are you, what are you giving this person? It's definitely, are they, it's oh, definitely it, they're, they're out of touch well, like, I, with, with what the person's I think asking. it can be elitism because it can say, my taste as they are, are what you should, what your taste should be, right? Like, you should yeah. like what I should like because what I like is good. It, that and really depends on the context. Because, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's not. It, 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 may be, it may be, it may have the same effect or it may, like what, what Proper Brian was saying, it's, it's, it's completely out of touch with that person's perspective and what they really need at that moment. But is the intention behind the comment elitist? Probably not. They're excited and they want to share their most excited game, even if there's like no connecting dot. They, yeah. They're just like, oh, I love games too. And here's, let me just puke out my favorite games, you know, yeah. um, you know, the Cthulhu <laughs> RPG. Let's go. Um, and they're like, oh, thanks. Uh, is there a Cthulhu RPG? I'm sure there yeah. is. Uh, yeah, there's, Cthulhu, is. <laughs> there's Cthulhu anything. I mean, Cthulhu but, zombie, just throw it together. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he's right. There's Cthulhu everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so again, it goes back to the attitude of, is that like an example of a superior attitude? Probably not, even if it's not helpful. What I think so, is cool about this hobby, is so, so, so say, say you, you check your, your, the fact that you've, you've played – you know, you've logged 100 plays of Ticket to Ride. It's not really what you want to play. Say you go ahead and you play it with that guy, you know, this person. Six months down the line, you might be playing, you know, some game that you, they may really have fallen for some heavier games. Or, or maybe you're a war gamer and you get them to war, game or war gamers. Or you're, you, you love uh, dungeon crawlers and you, you introduce them to dungeon crawlers. Or maybe, maybe in, in you helping them discover the gaming taste, you discover... I really love, you know, Euros, and I never thought I would like that, you know. So my point is, by trying to check that attitude, I mean, it's okay to like say, hey, I know what I like, but by occasionally checking that, man, you open yourself up to some potentially cool experiences. It usually goes the other way, And then you help way, though, someone right? else, though, yeah. Doesn't it usually go the other way, though? It doesn't usually go up in or, or change in something different. It's usually going backwards, right? Like to something you've done before yeah. or something that you feel is uh, maybe more base, and you're above that. Yeah. And I think I think for me, being willing to play games, even if you don't like the game, for the sake of the other person, considering them and their tastes uh, or, or just their interest, especially if they own it. If they own a game and they say, will you play this game with me? And they're breaking open their box and you know you don't like that game. It's tough. I still think you should play it personally. I think at that moment, if you don't have anything better to do and and you can't like 
graciously find a like a good excuse no matter how much you dislike that game and you know you're about to waste three hours of your life i personally think you should play it with them depends on the situation for me i uh if there are other options i'll let other people take that role and i'll I'll, i'm gonna go play something else but if it's like a game night and they break out the box i'll play it with them so okay so in that case uh, somebody else fill in that role and and their feelings aren't hurt that's not like an elitist attitude. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like kind of your, I, I guess I don't. I don't know. You're I, still considering their feelings in that because you're you're making sure they're covered. Yeah, but I have in many situations. If it's a a, a game night, we have a, a local game night every other week, and there are times where someone will break out a game, and I'm just like, mm, no, and I'll go find somebody other some other group to go play with. It, it's I'm not gonna play that game. <laughs> it's so yeah, and I think it is very situational, right? Like we can't just put a blanket statement like you you have to play games or you're a terrible person yeah um, yeah well the, the hard part for me in that is uh my gaming time is limited sure and so i i feel like i'm on one on one hand i'm trying to guard kind of like that time it's like i i'm here i want to enjoy the time but i have to remind myself that most of what i enjoy in playing games is people and i mean it's i do and obviously i enjoy the games too and i, I have so, my own personal taste but it's like i'm i'm I need to be here to enjoy hanging out with people too. The yeah. hardest thing for me actually is if I go to a game night, not wanting to play all of my games, oh. like like going playing someone else's game. That for some reason that's kind of hard for me actually. I have to really pull back and say no, I'm not going to play every single game that I brought. I think you're just. I think you're talking about consideration, like of the of the other people. You know, it's like consideration of how they're feeling about this game that they're getting out. You're not just thinking about like I brought my games and I want to play my games, you're thinking about how they feel too. And I think, so we're talking about this in, in the kind of the realm of like local game groups, but I mean, we're, we're talking around elitism, but I think that a lot of times what we're, when we see it most is online and that, like in, in online gaming communities, when a lot of times, like when there's people like face to face, it doesn't happen nearly as often. No, well, true. yeah, it's it's, it's, the, it's the cloak of the internet. I yeah, mean, you just you sit behind your computer screen, you say whatever you want. Well, right? it's, it's also I think that a text on a screen doesn't have nearly the the communication ability as a person no a person's face, like, and so you yeah. can you can I, I think you can go both ways. I think you can easily act in ways that are not. Uh, appropriate or, or act in ways that that are elitist, but you can also misinterpret people too. And well, he, so I think that it can go both ways. You have it, to you have to give, you have to give grace both ways. It's funny you say that at work today. I completely misunderstood one of the project managers that I work with. Uh, I thought he was being very sarcastic, and I, I started second guessing something that I had said to one of our customers. And he's like, "No, no, no, no! You said the right thing." I was like, "Oh, okay, well, I, you know, text, you know, whatever." Yeah. <laughs> That's well, right. No, I think that's right. And in thinking about where this rears its ugly head, I think you're right. Online is probably the first offender, and they need to be called out. Well, yeah. You know, that, that need attitude to needs to be curbed for the sake of our hobby. For, for the community. What? How should we address that? How should people in general address elitism you block online? Them. You block them. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you, you cuss them out and tell them like how you're yeah. better than they are, right? Yeah. You, <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's, that's the Cause, solution because cussing at someone is obviously the way to deal with the yeah, problem that, that's yeah. going to just handle everything I think <laughs> make um, friends influence people I think there's a way like a lot of ways there's a way to, like gently curb people or or say hey is, is that what you meant you know because like, again you, you could say hey do you belittle um, them sometimes I feel like talking to them like they're children 
But then I'm like, that doesn't that makes me well, just as bad as them, you know. So, so I, <laughs> I I I have to watch it because like I once got like I, I meant well, but I made some comment about knowing how to hit the caps lock key and having a keyboard doesn't make you the <laughs> ruler of the world or whatever. Or some comment Listen about that. Listen to me yeah. while I speak in caps. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was like, you know, come on, like, you know, just because you have an internet connection, you know, yeah, and can type in all caps, you know, you're obviously more brilliant than everyone here. And like, I meant it like kind of like, as a, as a joke. I meant it. Yes, I did mean it. Like, to, as a, as a insult, kind of an insult, but yeah, in a joking to, you're manner. You're trying to slam it. But I'm trying to slam it. But my point is, if I were doing that in person. I would have been able to do it like while I'm smiling and be like, "Yeah, come on, dude," you know. So, but like, because of it's it's he has no context. We're not friends. It, the guy was like deeply offended, and I was like, "Man, like I, yes, I was trying to call out some stupidity, but I didn't. I wasn't like trying to like. It was taking even way worse than like uh, you know. I got to stand up for all my AutoCAD friends here who constantly do everything they work in in caps and sometimes forget oh. to turn off the caps lock. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> the struggle is real. Yeah. Now, and now another thing I've seen is um, when, when they ask a specific question, make sure you respond to the question. I saw a thing on, on Facebook once where it was, what, what are three games that are, you know, very similar to these? I'm finding, I'm getting into the hobby. I like I saw these games. Once, like I've seen this like a lot. And, well, I mean, one in particular oh. that I'm thinking of. And then the you guy. opening up a door. To... And then the guy responds with like a hundred games. And I'm like, no, that is not what he asked for. That's, you're, you're overloading him. You have given him too much information. I mean, well, it's the It's the classic, off. you asked me this question, but I'm going to answer this question over here. Yeah, well, it's because I have... Well, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you my knowledge. <laughs> 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 Pay attention to me, you know? Yeah, I think that's a lot of times that's what it is, you know? Again, though, do you think that's really elitism, though? Or is and, that just... Some that, of it is. And that is, one, I felt like it was. That one did? Yeah, okay. there are times where it is. There's times where it's just attention seeing. You know, I think there's other times where it's like... I know so much, and my tastes are so much more refined than yours. I guess the yours, question is: you know. Is can it be unintentional? Like, yeah, can, can well, elitism I can't be unintentional? Or I think it, most of the time it is. Right before we even walk in the door, before we even address that person, we have to ask ourselves: What is our intention here, and are we going to kind of go against our base nature? I don't think any of us want to well, be the villain. But I, oh, I'm I find thinking myself, about a time I find I myself that. doing that with beer too. Oh Just yeah, now that we've you know. Learn will, more about craft beers and things. And things like, don't. Some things don't taste good, right? No, they like, don't taste I good don't anymore. I like beers that and I it, used to like. And I see family members drinking, you know, Miller Lite, and I'm like, oh no. But what do you do I when that person says, "Come drink a beer with me," and you say, "I'm a beer snob. I only like Belgians, buddy. If it's not German, <laughs> it's not for me." Like that. What does that do? What does that do to your relationship with that person? And what does it do to that experience? You might just have to suck it up and drink a Milwaukee's Best oh. with our with our with our family down south. Wait. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm. Yeah, I'm I know. Looking, he knows. Know. Yeah. We, we've been to family reunions together, and that's exactly that's why what it you is. bring your own your own yeah, case you not, of beer. Can you can you bring it and still enjoy a beer with them, just not the you, one that they have? But when they offer it to you, can uh-huh. you? When they hand you their stock and they smile and and it's it's because because <laughs> drinking drinking coffee, drinking beer. If you're in Britain, drinking tea together, there is there is a social aspect to that 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 transcends. The, the taste and the, the preference. That's mm-hmm. true, which maps way more closely onto to board games than I originally thought because I was like, well, it's, it's a beer. You can have your own, you know, but with a board game, you're kind of sharing it with people. But I guess in that 
social circumstance, then you're and we can we can we can pass off what we like. We could give them something really nice, and a lot of it will be lost on them because they don't have the palate. No, it would be I, like it would be like a heavy euro to someone who doesn't understand the mechanics. That's, that's what I find they with say, craft beers. I'm like, oh, oh you gotta okay. try this, and, and then like, they'd be like, it's okay. Or it's not because because their their palate's not ready for that kind of. I, I watched exactly. a, f- a family oh. member take two sips and throw a, like an expensive beer like oh. in the dumpster, oh. and I was like, "No, you're dead to me." Nice. So usually the way that I try to handle things like this is number one, move slowly, like don't just respond quickly. Number two, I prefer to talk to people one on one instead of in the group because in the group they can feel the need to be much more defensive i guess when you have an audience that's true right. yes. oh what's really so, weird is when when like, you're responding to somebody and then somebody else gets defensive for you yeah that's what's weird yeah. so and the the third thing is is the person who is kind of the target of that i try to talk to them too or you know or at least make sure they understand that that's not how everybody feels mm. you know i think that's important cuz like, i think if you if you Almost ignore the people who are who are bashing on a person or a game or whatever subject it is, and you just address the person. And say, actually, I I understand your your love of this or your thoughts on that, and you just have a conversation. I think maybe you might you know you might get some other people that join in on that, and maybe you can just kind of in a way just outshout the haters, right? I mean, you you're, know, you're Sean just talking. I, I did that, Sean, on one of our early videos. I did exactly what you guys are talking about. I know what you're talking about. Sean and I, okay, we, we did a cover of I Saw the Sign on his personal YouTube channel. Uh, you get 50 points if you can go out and find that because it's still active, but we're not going to tell you where I it is. I think it's buried. And the first comment on that was a like a negative comment. You right? guys can't you sing guys in can't tune. Sing. You're you terrible. And so and I didn't have a YouTube account. Shuck did. And so my wife had one, and I was like, hey, can you get on there and say something nice about us? And the next five comments after her comment was a pot were all positive, like really good comments. And I think you guys are right by jumping on there and saying, "Ticket to Ride's great." I'm so glad you got into this hobby. Ticket to Ride's great, or you know, Catan is a solid classic. Yeah, I didn't even have to address. I, the, I enjoy that. The yeah. negativity in it, and uh, you can just other... totally ignore that. You might see that the next five comments are positive, and we just kind of sideline the negative. We haven't pushed them out of the hobby. or yeah. And also, I think, by not like insulting people, like I, I, like that one time I ended up just coming off way way too aggressive. What I learned from that is that, that approach isn't going to work. I mean, they're already being aggressive a lot of times. It's just try to, I mean, I guess like with a lot of things in life, just what's the output you want? Well, then you need to be that already, you know? So if you want positivity, you just need to be a positive person. If you want civility in an in a online discussion, which is asking a lot. Um, too much. Th- yeah, it's asking too much. But, hey, you know what? Raise the bar. You try to be that civil person. And even if everyone else is just being, you know, you know knee-jerk reactions, calling calling people names or whatever. And I think that goes beyond board games. You could just try to be what you, you want to see, right? You want to see good, positive things and nice, welcoming attitudes, even if you're the only person there. I think that's the only way to defeat that kind of attitude. Or you just get off Facebook and then yeah, it's, it's all it's all good. But I mean, but it's no. but we're talking about like say say but, I, know, you know, I know I but, know I know. But if if you if you feel like hey I have a lot of knowledge in this hobby to share, like there's a there's you can okay one way is saying I'm going to share that by telling you what you should like, and the other way is by trying to say like trying to. Find the positive things. Oh, well, you too like this. Yeah, yeah. Meet, meet them where they are. Yeah, and meet then, them and then. 
show them something you like too. So now let's move on to a segment that Proper Brian had suggested. Uh, what were you going to call this, Proper Brian? Well, first, I need to say that, I mean, you guys got me defining words in the in the first segment of the show, and so we're going <laughs> to keep doing the same thing in the uh, next segment. It seems so, appropriate. Uh, so it's a segment that right now we're calling the uh, the gaming lexicon. Okay. In which we attempt to take uh, board game terms and uh, translate them to English. And, uh, then Not have, English? And then have a little bit of fun with it. So okay. Nice. Does that work for y'all? Let's try it. Let's yeah, try it. let's go for it. Let's do it. So the so yeah, I'm all, I'm all about that. <laughs> theme the theme music is provided for you tonight by Shuck. Yeah. So the uh, the term we're going to be talking about that we're going to kick this the uh, the gaming lexicon off with is uh, <laughs> your voice changed. What was that wow, again? It sounded much more. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. He's, <laughs> He's, he's suddenly gotten smarter as he, as he pronounces well, it's, that. It's not going to sound that when I say this word. Like it's not going to sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight. We go get a clip-on tie the, out of the trunk. On the gaming lexicon, we will be discussing the term fiddly. Fiddly. Fiddly fiddly. Fiddly. The so, word of the day is fiddly. So start us off with what, <laughs> so for, what you think fiddliness is, yeah. so I can tell you how you're wrong. Yeah, so yeah, that's what we'll do here is um, I'm going to give you the, the definition that I wrote down, and then you guys can tell me how I'm wrong or, or, how, or how I'm right. And then we'll move on to uh, another little fun part of the segment. So okay. it's fiddly, fiddly. Fiddly. So fiddliness or fiddly. A fiddly game or fiddlestick. Uh, or fiddlestick is how often a game requires that components be moved around to maintain the game state. Does that make sense to y'all? So it's how often yes. components ha are having to be moved around during the game. So it's component centric. It's com yeah. So I, I'm trying to use more fancy See, words because we're going into lexicon mode. But if it's not component, then it's not like a fiddle. It's not a fiddly part of the game. See, I would like to add on to that because I, I, yeah. I think a game that has too many rules, like lookup tables and things like that, could also be fiddly. Okay, but all right, yeah, that works I, for me. I would agree. Wouldn't, then would we then would we classify like rules or or um, charts or player aids or references that could be part of the components? Not traditionally. Not traditionally, like but for, for this definition, of, for this definition, maybe if we want, if you're having to go, like Chuck saying, if you're having to. Refer to a, a, a something constantly. Well, no, See, that's the, not the way I think, what, what about upkeep? That's not fiddly. Okay, so what about uh, upkeep? Though? Upkeep. Yes, upkeep. I consider things when, when you say fiddly to me. Like, I always think mechanisms. That's like the first thing that comes to my mind. So it's something that's like if ands and buts. Like if if there's something in the game where it's like, oh wait, no, not this time. Like for this instance, it's this, and that mm, becomes very okay. fiddly to me. So every chess game, uh, including like games like Shang Chi, Chinese chess has um, specific rules. Let me, let me talk about chess in general and maybe in, and see if this qualifies to meet your definition because it's not an upkeep thing like what, or it's not a component thing like what you're talking about, Proper Ryan. It's more like what Shuck's talking about. You have a rule called en passant, which is an exception to a general rule. You have a rule like castling, which is an exception to a general rule. You have rule like pawn promotion. These are exceptions to the, the, how the game operates normally. Would those be fiddly rules? So I think that when I think of fiddliness, fiddle, fiddly, 
<laughs> We're going to say this word a lot. It's going to be fun. It's fiddlesticks. To it, Welcome to Board Game Lexicon, where we say fiddly a lot. A bunch of times. Uh, so I think of fiddling with things, like physically fiddling. I, you know, it's like when you, like, that's that's what I think yeah. of. And I, I, I think of, like, the, the rule kind of thing that you're talking about is more of, like, that, that contributes more to the, the heaviness of the game, like how like how much brain space it takes up because of all the exceptions. So I think of fiddliness as the actual physically moving things around on the board. like well, the Things pause while you have to do a thing yeah. With, yeah. with your hands. I, yeah, because I, I think we talked about the heaviness of games. That can be another, another whole okay. other topic. So then so. I'm wrong. Just well, say you're wrong. Uh, you're wrong. wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> I like how in unison that was. Thanks. So, so, I guess I'm wrong. So one thing I want to address really quick is, is this a neutral term or is this a positive negative type of term? And so one of the ways I was thinking about it is I always think about it kind of in a, in a negative way in that a game is fiddly when maintaining the game state becomes annoying, distracting, or makes the game a chore to play uh, mm-hmm. like that's usually how we use the word fiddly. right right like so can you describe a game as fiddly and say that that's a fiddly game but it's still a i still like that game a lot you but know i think there's still some subjectiveness to that because what what is what is annoying um well that's the thing Jeff it's going to be subjective yeah to it, the it is subjective because <laughs> it's it's what point does it become annoying to <laughs> did me did you just say that i was fiddly? no i did not why would i, I say you something said like i that. was fiddly <laughs> <laughs> what, what point does it become annoying to I me? I said you're annoying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so well, but the, only, the, only, <laughs> the, the only problem I, I have with that is I want to try to arrive at something that can work for most people. And, and if you leave it up to that, I will say I, I do agree that having a lot of pieces, especially on a board, in motion constantly could be, could be fiddly. But I really like a lot of fiddly games. Okay, now that's, I like that's what I want to say next is just because fiddly can be a negative term in this way doesn't mean that the game is a bad game. It just yeah. means that it's a fiddly so, game that you enjoy. And that, that, that just because a game is fiddly doesn't automatically mean it's a bad game, I guess. Does that... Yeah. Is that, no, is that, I mean, because some of the games we're going to talk about here in a little bit, you guys really like. So, so here's something interesting. I just looked up fiddle on the dictionary, the verb fiddle, is to touch or manipulate something as to operate and adjust it, tinker, or to waste time. Mm, Yep. So that would be things like uh, upkeep phases, like where you're having to constantly... uh, And we're going to talk about this in a minute. A lot of my favorite games games are fiddly. Yeah. Oh, man, this is hitting me. (laughs) Uh, I like fiddly games. Hello, my name is Gary, and I like fiddly games. Does that make you a fiddlestick? Uh, probably, so, <laughs> among so other we, things. <laughs> can we can we agree at least for the most part? Say, on, for the sake of argument, I will say I'll agree with the definition, but I'm still on the fence on whether this is a derogatory or negative term yeah. towards a game. Sure, yeah, but I can agree on your general definition. Let's I, go with that because I, I like flipping switches in games. I do too, but I'm not sure if that classifies as fiddling. No, it doesn't. What were you if saying, it, if it's not like what when I said it. It has to become annoying. It's like it's like it has to become. What did I say? It's like uh, distracting from the game. See, makes the game a chore to play. Makes it like not fun. Here's the thing. I think there's like a a line that it ends up crossing. Like there can be a couple of items where it's like, okay, we got to do that. But when when it becomes too much, like there's, there's probably way a too ratio many things. too in there too. Like if it's more upkeep than game. Then that's kind of where it crosses the line oh, you're talking see, about. That's a negative. So, but then the, some games might have more fiddly or more upkeep to it, 
but it also has a meteor experience otherwise, and so the ratio kind of goes up, right? The the proportion goes up there. Well, I mean, like going even further than that, and I know y'all disagreed with me in the in our chat, but to me, when when it takes just as much time to set up a game as it does to play a game, mm-hmm. that to me is fiddly. I wanted to bring that up too because I think you can have like in game fiddliness, and you can also have setup kind of fiddliness because, too. Because like Whistle Stop is a game that that I really like. I mean, not as many people that I've played it with that has, has liked it, but. That's a game that it really does take almost as much time to set up as it does to play because it's a short game. Does it detract your enjoyment from the game? No, it does not. I like so, the game. And here's one thing that for games that take a long setup, I always recommend setup before people even show up. True. If, if you have a game night and you have, uh, you have the table space to set up a couple games, set up first. That way they're kind of unaware of it. It's kind of behind the scenes and it won't turn them off to the experience of the game. And it's kind of tricking them because then they go out and buy it and they go, oh man, now I'm gonna set the set is fiddly. <laughs> there's there's nothing. I gotta more, get a Brian Casey yeah. insert to make this game manageable. There's nothing does that worse. Make, than, does an insert make it less fiddly? Oh, Brian Casey's proper sure. Brian's do for sure. <laughs> www.pubmeeble.com. So I, I have an example. Inserts. Go check it out. Boom. <laughs> so I have a couple examples in these games that I want to talk about of okay of uh, games that I think that have these kind of upkeep phases that do it well, and then some that are just kind of, it's like, it's kind of boring to do that part of the game. So mm-hmm. games that it's kind of fun to do and some that it's not. So so you let's miss. talk Let's talk about some games. Mm-hmm. You ready? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a game out to you guys, and you guys catch uh, it. tell me, yes, catch it, please. <laughs> and uh, you, you guys tell me if you think it is or not, and you guys can argue amongst yourselves, okay? Do we get buzzers? There's no, no, there's no... We're not going to set up big rules. Yeah, just thump okay. the table. Okay. So, uh, Agricola. This is the worst game. No! Planet. I'm just kidding. I hate I'm just you. Kidding. I'm oh. just kidding. It's because I know I have two You're Agricola lovers here that I, I so said I'm, that. And I'm thinking of the, the maintenance you do between every round of refilling. I don't know enough about Agricola. That, I played it once. Refilling. Okay. I don't know. Refilling, I guess, could be considered kind of fiddly-ish. But like every when, time you have to refresh, like in like in between every round, you got to like put new stuff on the board. The, and, the board tells you what to put there, though. Oh, sure. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it's hard. I'm just saying it's. I think it's low on the fiddly. It is fiddly, maybe, but it's low on the uh, fiddly scale. Okay. Move. There, there have been some games where where that they do that, and and it becomes hard to remember to do it for I, some reason. I think yeah. what, like Chuck. Made a point like it's at the end of every round, which as I mean, it's so you go multiple turns before you have to reset. It's still an upkeep phase to me. Yeah. It's like I mean, it's not okay. I like Agricola. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that. Oh, so um, it's got some fiddliness to it. All right. So yeah. that being the case, we'd have to throw any game in a similar category. I'm thinking because I'm, I'm not a I'm not a huge Agricola. Uh, I've all, I play. Uh, we all have our faults. But um, I don't have I don't have a lot of experience in that game. Thanks, Gary. But uh, I, I imagine um, Champions of Midgard has a similar upkeep phase mm-hmm. in between rounds. And I will say, <coughs> for that particular game, it annoyed me. So I also want to say, uh-huh. in that game, that yeah. game just right. annoyed me. Did, well, but I mean, say that it didn't annoy me <laughs> the game, but the upkeep phase really did got, turn me off in that game. So if it's it similar annoying. to Agricola. Which I don't know because Agricola is not yeah. as annoying it, as that. It's not as annoying. It's as not that. as annoying as that. Okay, so so there's there's a good comparison right yep. there between two upkeep phases that are that are similar in when it happens in a game, and they're both kind of worker placement games. So um, I'm going to jump to the next game real quick and hopefully draw another good comparison here. So this is Pandemic. Mm. Mm. I've yeah. never thought of it as fiddly. 
I could see that one as fiddly. Cooperative games, though, require that kind of bot so, run run thing that happens constantly. So you almost accept it in a cooperative yep. game. So let me let me tell you kind of what I was thinking of, and the reason I'm connecting it to Agricola is in between. You know, every every round you draw cards to see like where you're going to add stuff to the board. So it's a maintenance phase, just like a, like very similar to Agricola, where it's like I'm putting stuff back out on the board to reseed the board, but in Pandemic it serves a narrative function in the game. Like you're excited to see what's coming up. It's not just, okay, I have to refill these spots now. It's what city's going to come up. Is it going to get us? I've you never know? thought see, of it as negative. I see. No, the, I don't either. I see the epidemic cards as being more fiddly than the putting the little cubes out. Like when you got to reshuffle and or re put the, the cards back on the deck and everything. I don't know. I mean, I guess. So if you're saying, if your definition of fiddly includes a point at which that gets annoying, and I would say it seems like Pandemic doesn't seem to get as annoying right. because it does serve some narrative function. Right, and that's the other thing. You're, 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 you're actively watching because you want to see what happens. Right, it's, it's an enjoyable, like the the where you're moving pieces around on the board is, is oh. enjoyable in oh. the game. Although right? I agree okay. with Shuck, shuffling the deck is annoying. That part is annoying. The, I, I can't remember. Do you, I guess you shuffle it. No, you, you don't. There it's been a while since I played. There are times where it'll make you shuffle. Well, I think I think what what counteracts the fiddliness mm-hmm. is when you have that explosion, mm-hmm. and you're you're like sitting there with anticipation. Anticipation. Yep. That's that's what kind of is like it, it doesn't feel fiddly to me because it's like I don't want it to do it, but if it does, right, I mean, it's not it, annoying. It's it serves like, a it's purpose. Exciting. To further the game state. Right. Yeah. And also, I want to point out. I don't think all these games we're talking about are fiddly games. I wanted just to talk about. Some of them are, some of them aren't, and I just want to see what you guys. So, so are you are you trying to get at that? There's a, a, a psychology to how we experience and, and and accept. Play your mind games with me. I mean, I'm, I'm, but that's what I'm wondering if that's kind of where you're going with some of this. Is like, even though one may be uh, time wise and component movement wise, they may be very similar. The experience is different in such a way that that we look at one more favorable than the other. Yep, Man, that's, is that that's kind of the kinda, idea. Is that kind of the main? That's that. I mean, that between those, that's what I was drawing between Agricola and mm-hmm. or Champions of Midgard so in the, this case. In in Pandemic, you're doing very similar things, but they feel like even in Agricola, it's not annoying necessarily, but it's still just a compulsory thing you do. But in Pandemic, it's a kind of a, almost a fun thing that you. Well, do. it's almost a pause in in. In, in an upkeep phase, right? Like you pause the game so we can do upkeep on the board. Right. Like what you're saying in Pandemic mm-hmm. is it's part of the right that upkeep, progression you're of still the putting game. stuff on the board based on a card draw, you know. But it's you're excited to see what's going to happen. Mm. Here's another one. How about I'm down? How about that sounds good? How about Descent? I'm gonna just Brown take that. It's oh been a my while. goodness! I'm trying. To, I'm trying to pick. It's on been a people. while since I played Descent. Is this game fiddly? Ah. Uh, I don't know how to answer this question. <laughs> I, I think. Well, but, but here's the thing. A dungeon crawler inherently has a lot of moving pieces on the board. Uh-huh. So I think while technically it may be somewhat fiddly in that by, like just based on a definition of having a lot of moving pieces, it's inherent in the game. You know going into it there are going to be a lot of moving pieces yeah, on the board. Yeah, I would say Descent is, so, is by nature so, a fiddly game. Yeah. But I don't... You had me in the upkeep phase as being fiddly, and now I'm having to kind of transition out I, of that. Well, the, there is a lot of moving pieces, and there's a lot to keep up with. So here, here's here's 
the point of that is to do a certain combo move, you have to really not only understand your cards before you go into it and know how they synergize and how they might synergize with other players. I'm exhausting this card while I'm paying this fatigue so that way I can return a token to my neighbor so he can exhaust his card. And we're doing all this fantastic combo moves that the heroes have figured out over this campaign, which is really fun to watch. And it's really rewarding for the people who have figured out this combo and how the heroes synergize. But yeah, you are passing tokens across the table. You, in fact, I, I stopped passing tokens across the table because it was too fiddly. And now they have their own little bowls with extra damage tokens and fatigue tokens. And they're flipping cards and they're keeping up with things. It's And it is, I would say, yes, it is. It's so fiddly, in fact, that as the overlord and the kind of unofficial uh, game master of the game when you play the bad guy, I started trusting the other heroes that they're just doing it right because I got tired of keeping up with all of it. So yes, it would have to be a fiddly game. Yeah. Okay. Good. And I love it. But but, but that's I think fine. but I think going into the game you know you know that's that and you the, don't expect it to be like the people that generally love it feel like it's a rollback from their usual fare because the people I've played with a lot in the past have been war gamers and, and miniature tabletop gamers like, you know, Warhammer forty K gamers will come and play Descent with me. And they, it's like second nature to them. It's like, this is easier than what we play. And so that's why I guess at first I had a hard time answering because I'm like, well, these guys don't struggle with it. But then when I think about like my fair games, it is a lot more intense in that regard. All right. Okay. Um, so next game, let's talk about Takinoko. Hmm. And I'm going to throw that one at Shuck first. Yeah. Because that's one of his favorite games. So. I- I don't see that one as fiddly though. I don't. I don't know. I, well, I'm not saying all these games are like, fiddly. I'm asking. I'm asking. I don't because when you do stuff is when you take your action, and so the the action there's no real. I mean, I guess you could see the bamboo is slightly. I don't. I don't, I don't I'm see it. My head. I, don't I really don't fiddly. see it. I want to say it's not. I just don't. It, it's it all. It's pretty. Flows really smoothly. I think it is real. There's smooth. not a lot maybe, of upkeep. Maybe maybe the die roll. Can be kind of randomish. I think you're stretching it, man. I, I don't think. It I is think. Fiddly. I don't think it's fiddly. Man. I think it's tight. I think it's yeah. a tight. It's, it's a tight design. Like it or not, I'm saying it's no. a tight design. Well, good. No, so one of the things I wanted to see is how much of personal preference, you know, kind of baked into like our um, idea of if a game is fiddly or not. Like if it's a game we really like, like Descent, you know, would we be willing to say, oh, but that's an annoying part of the game? And I mean, I'm not saying you you wouldn't do that. It's just interesting. I don't think that Takinoko's fiddly, by the way. So, uh, what about Lords of Vegas? I've only played it once or twice, but I still haven't played this. Uh, so, uh, I've I've had the opportunity to teach this game recently, except for me. And <laughs> I don't. There were some aspects of the game that I felt were difficult to grasp. But we're talking about we're not talking about rules at this point, right? We're talking about. Particularly like the physical physical upkeep. Like upkeep. Yeah, things, I would things say like, no. Things like switching out the hotel pieces for different not, colors. It's, it's not fiddly at all. It's it's not, I think it's a very... I think every, every time you pick something up and put it down, it feels intentional. It feels like you're doing it and everybody's participating together. And there's together. a reason for it. And kind of like the pandemic concept, everybody's invested in every action on everyone's turn. They want to know why you're painting it. They're picking up dice. They want to know what the results are, even if they're not involved in the in the uh, whole trying to take over the casino, because everything affects everything in that in that area control game. 
I don't know, man. It's I don't think it is. So, which is another point I think to make about this is like when a game is using the component movement on the board and stuff for the purpose of you know keeping people involved and things like that. To me, that makes it not annoying. It makes it more fun, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, we have to obviously acknowledge that these are board games we're playing with pieces, and every board game is going to have moving pieces in it. But I think grabbing a piece off the board of Lords of Vegas or putting a piece down on Lords of Vegas, everything feels intentional and game-changing as opposed to upkeep. Nothing feels like upkeep in that game. If I, I would say the only fiddly nature of that game is paying out money every single turn of the game. But if you're using poker chips, instead, which is the way we play, instead of paper money, then that really takes that out of the equation. Shuffling it out or dealing out paper money, I do think, is an annoying detraction to the game. Cool, man. Let's see. I, I had one more that I wanted to bring up and just to uh, especially see what Just Brand thinks, and that's uh, Lords of Zidit. <laughs> well, we can all agree this is a fiddly game, and... And not and and not in a. <laughs> we just had our elitist conversation. Not to <laughs> play the elitist card here, because um, everybody knows my feelings on the game. I don't like the game, but that's not why I don't like the game. Actually, I don't enjoy the game play. The fact that it's fiddly on top of that is just kind of puts it further in the red for me. So that's it's that's the, the that's the that common way. theme that I'm seeing with this. Is that if you get an enjoyment out of it or some kind of payoff. When you do something like the combos and descent or the explosions and pandemic and it's exciting, then I think the fitness could be overlooked. Yep. It's given. I absolutely agree. And that's kind of, as I thought about this, like, cause I thought about it just it, like, if you just try to think about it in terms of I'm moving a bunch of stuff on the board, well, it depends on the game. Then it depends on the experience you're having in that game. I like Agricola, but adding things to those spaces is not fun to me i mean it's part of the game and it's so it's it's you know something to do every you know every but, turn but but it's not fun like you know like in pandemic or like lords of vegas well, or something like that like it, it doesn't feel connected into the experience of the game as much so so mathy games can kind of be that way a little bit mm-hmm. when, when you have to add a lot of things like the uh, the space perimeter that we the first pass that we had where we didn't have our score tracker and we were trying to add things every single round got really annoying it got um it tied or down the game pulled it down and we didn't want to play it i mean it just it wasn't fun i, I think that's but that's not the most mathy game out there no can, it's not but but like what you're saying if it's not so so like an example of a game that we like that has a lot of math in it would be a game like lost cities but that's the math the, on that is ridiculous though. that's at the end of the round i'd say one that's even a little bit more worse than that unless you have a nice score tracker would be smash up okay smash up can be very annoying if you don't have some extra components to help you keep track of what the basis scores are but so many people forgive it a lot more and do you think it's because they just enjoy the game that much it's fun and there's a lot of take that and a lot of interesting combos that you can pull off that's just a fun game it's just kind of a but the mathy part kind of stinks so if that game wasn't as much fun the math would be really annoying be really annoying yeah 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 i guess maybe i just have a a lower tolerance for fiddliness or sorry, higher tolerance, I guess. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't bother me as much. as much. Yeah. It doesn't phase me as much. And I guess maybe I've, I've liked a few games that were fiddly and it, I guess I just get over it. Like, I mean, there are upkeep phases that'll be really annoy me, but I guess overall, and I guess maybe I'm it's to that point that you guys just said, 
if the game's good enough, I'll overlook a little bit of fiddliness. If it opens the door to really great gameplay or I, I can understand why it is the way it is, like, okay, well, it's that way because there's, I don't know, five markets or something, you know. You know, yeah, that's fine. I mean, it, so I guess, I don't know, I guess there's there's you can run the gamut on that. But Man, I just thought another game that's really fiddly that I enjoy a lot. Well, good, because that's what I was about to ask. Is there any, is there any um, examples that you guys can throw out? And and I and I have a way that it was kind of fixed and made better even, but uh, a Nyrim is extremely fiddly. You mm-hmm. are constantly shuffling over and over and over again. There are lots of little rules that are like if then you can do this, and there are little tweaks and things. But the app just makes it so smooth. Yeah, I've only played it on the app, but I could totally see how that would be. When when you play the physical copy after about two or three games, you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm my hands hurt and I'm tired of shuffling these cards and I was gonna mention Dominion a little bit ago I, I don't know how many of y'all have played it but you're constantly shuffling your cards but the weird thing about it is by the time I'm done shuffling my cards it's my turn again and so it almost acts like this little little thing I do in between my turn and that's it because turns go so fast in the game when especially at the beginning of the game when your deck is tiny you're constantly shuffling your discard pile back in, shuffling your discard pile back in. To me, it never got annoying in the game, but I could totally see how that would be annoying, especially in a game like an Irem. What about uh, Terraforming Mars? What about that one? I have actually only pl- have a handful of plays on that one, but it never felt... I enjoyed the game and what was going on, and the cool thing is it's it's happening on your own board. You're not waiting on anyone else, or you're not having to do a central... And there is a central board, but there's very little upkeep on it. So, um, and you... It, it's pretty streamlined. But yeah, it's, it's got some feelingness, but I, I never felt it. Do you think in Euros that it happens more in upkeep phases? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, I, I'm, trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of an instance where it's not in an upkeep phase in a Euro. The only game I could think of that we played recently, and I don't even know if this would qualify, is Twa, where there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of movement on the board going on at once, not just with picking up dies and stuff, but in order to... Move this. You got to push that. I enjoy yeah. flipping switches, though. So that, that was a little. But I don't know if that's fiddly because. But I mean, you got to think all the little cubes that go on, or even like eclipse, just all the pieces that are going out and keeping up with all the cubes that are tracked. That's different what places. I was gonna. I was looking that. One. I couldn't remember the name of it, but yeah, eclipse, like your player board. It's kind it's of fiddly. A lot. The play board is definitely fiddly right. in eclipse. So much so that people go out and buy extra trays and stuff to keep See, that manageable. That's, that's one thing that I think of in uh, Tiny Epic Galaxies. I mean, too, like the, the way that all the Tiny Epic games are, they, they tend to have cubes that keep track of all like your tracks, resources. Yep. Tracks can be very fiddly in, in any game, like especially when it's resources and you don't actually have pieces that you're grabbing and in front well, of you. And you're moving them like in one turn, moving it up and then down and then up a little bit more. And like as you're tracking, like spending things. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay, so... And I was talking about to to Proper Brown and Just Brown about this before the episode. I recently played my first play of uh, Cuba Libre. I played the solo game, and I had to. I had it was fiddly. And, and you're talking about moot tracks moving. I could on my turn, a um, my faction might move our our end game marker up, but then the net very next turn, another player could do something that moves that that tracker back down. So within one turn, that could that could move. And, there, and there's trackers, and there's a lot of cubes on the board, um, a lot of tokens on the board, and they're tracking uh, support for the government and whatnot. So, yeah, that game was pretty fiddly. And also, on the solo play, 
going through the flow charts, like consulting flow charts and and then the player guide for all the actions was was a bit was a bit overwhelming. But I, ne- I that said, when I got done with the game, I wanted to play it again. So I guess maybe either either the either the game's just that good to me, or I just have a higher threshold so, for so it. Was some of that just solo? Because it makes me think that like uh, the AI in games could be fiddly in their own right. Yeah, I think I think. Games using you know AI or a bot player, I think that's inherently going to be a little more fiddly because you've got either more pieces on the board or you've got an extra component which is like some kind of tracker or like scythe. You've got the cards, uh, so I think I think you could say solo it, can often be fiddly by it, nature. Going back to the enjoyment aspect of it, it it's kind of like you get to play and now you got to play a whole round for something that is not even affecting what you're doing. It's like I got to take time to do all this other stuff for an you know an ai that i, I think what what, uh, what made that okay in that game is because it's actually a pretty well designed little flow chart and it mostly seems pretty logical and so what the, the bot players were doing did affect me by the time i got back to my next turn they had often changed the board state in ways that was challenging now was that just because it was my first play i think Give me a, a few plays of it, and I'll let you know whether I find that feeling. I also think so. If 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 I were to take the flowcharts out of that, the game's still fiddly, but not to the extent that I would say it is on the solo. So I was thinking about some of the other euros that we played recently, and how I don't feel like they're fiddly, but they're still complex, and they still have tracks. One example would be Nippon, where there are some concepts that are difficult, and the game is very complex. I don't feel like it's fiddly. I feel like all the pieces no. are very straightforward. They have a purpose. When you do move on a track, you're always moving up, yeah. and, and you're good, and, it, and it's just an indicator. I feel like... Uh, you're not moving things back and forth. When yeah, something's it's there, not, it's typically You're not there. managing lots of little pieces. Everything is like like a direct effect. Yeah, like I'm, I'm putting this here to do a thing. Uh, the other one, uh, what was the other one we played uh, before that? Signori? Signori. It's very direct. It's got a lot of moving parts. It's got a lot of switches to flip. I never felt like it was fiddly because everything was in action that you're taking, a lot like Lords of Vegas, where it's a very intentional piece that you're moving. So I, I don't want us to, as the more we talk about moving pieces, I don't want to start confusing complexity with it, with it because yeah. there are some com- complex, heavy cardboard Euro genre games that really streamline the component tactile movement in with the complex, and I think those are what, what would be the opposite of fiddly? Like, like, what would we well, say would that would be like a streamlined? Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe. Yeah. like, I think of like a game like uh, La Havre, people will say that's, that's a heavier game, at least high on the heavier end of medium. And uh, but if you look at that game, it's it's actually rather mechanically very simple. There are resources you're taking, but it's just resources you're taking moving back and forth. So, I mean, I guess that part could be somewhat fiddly, but essentially you take two actions on your turn and you move your you move your piece forward, you know, um, and it's basically a turn tracker. So as far as like the, the, the complexity of your decisions, the weight of your decisions versus like the uh, moving pieces on the board, it's rather mechanically rather simple, but yeah, the complexity of what you're doing. So I don't, I don't think that one's fiddly. You put this many in, you get that many out, you know. So I th- to your point, yeah, I think there are games that could be somewhat more complex, but but not fiddly. It is interesting. I mean, just as we've discussed it, because when I first was 
you know, thinking about this, I thought I thought about fiddliness in more of a, a negative way. Um, you know, if a game gets yeah. too fiddly, then it gets annoying. And it can be. And, but the more we've talked about it, it's like there's certain times where like flipping those switches is very satisfying. And in that case, the moving pieces on the board is, is fun, you know, or, the, or it contributes to the narrative of the game or it, it makes things exciting. Yeah, interesting discussion. I, yeah. I've actually got a lot more out of this than I thought I would. Fiddly, fiddly. <laughs> All right, guys, we had some good discussions. And, uh, man, as it's always, I enjoy getting together with you guys. For more uh, Pub Meeple goodness, uh, check us out on www.pubmeeple.com. Uh, we're on YouTube. Uh, youtube.com slash pub meeple hey look forward to hey 2019 we're gonna have some new youtube yeah, content we're so new content we'll, we'll plug that there. again on our next podcast but you know look forward yeah. to coming back next year if you if you're ready for some new stuff uh, yeah all right well we'll see you guys next time Billy. Mm.